0: Resuming Debate? Resuming Debate. Resuming Debate. Welcome to the Resuming Debate podcast, where we work to have substantial cross-party conversations on the issues of the day. And uh, I'm very pleased that today we have a, a panel of Members of Parliament here uh, to discuss the convoy that is here uh, close by in the streets of Ottawa we're all uh, we're all uh, here for uh, the sitting of Parliament and uh, the streets are full of of truckers of individuals protesting here to talk about mandates so uh, pleased to welcome today we have uh, Someone who's been here before, Anthony Housefather, Liberal MP from Montreal, uh, someone who's, uh, who was on previously. We had a great discussion about the, uh, the Bill C-10 in the last Parliament uh, and some of the freedom of speech issues around that. Anthony, thanks so much for, for joining us again. It wasn't so bad. You came back, right?
1: <laughs> it's always fun to chat with you, Garnet. It's nice for us to be able to show people that people from different parties actually can get along and be friends and that a lot of what the, they see in question period is, is, is not exactly how Parliament actually works. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I I know after your last appearance, uh, you got a lot of uh, a lot of shout outs from uh, some of the conservatives who listen to the podcast that say, you know, I I still don't agree with that Bill C-10. But Anthony, uh, Anthony did a a great job uh, putting putting as good a face as was possible on that bill. And it's going to be coming back. So maybe we'll have you back on to talk about uh, to talk about that issue again at some point. For sure. Um, and, and also, uh, we've got a new conservative MP, Melissa Lantzman, new as an MP, but not new to politics. And, uh, Melissa, you're, you're someone who's pretty well known, uh, among MPs and among Canadians, even though you're, you're new to elected office. So thanks for joining us as well.
2: Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah. So, um, before we get into the topic, Melissa, since you're, uh, since you f- your first time on the podcast, do you want to just give a quick, uh, quick background on who you are, the riding you represent, uh, why you got into politics.
2: Absolutely. I'm, I, am, uh, I am brand new to, uh, to, 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 to elected office. I certainly have been on the Hill for, for many years, so I knew where the bathrooms were when I got here. Uh, I'm from Thornhill, which is a riding just north of, uh, of Toronto, but a very, very typical GTA uh, uh, riding. I've, uh, I grew up there. I replaced the, uh, the great Peter Kent in, uh, in trying to fill those big, big shoes, uh, and I'm excited to be here.
0: Great. Excellent. And, um, and I'll say it's, it's important to know where the bathrooms are on the Hill, because if you have a long filibuster, sometimes, you know, and you get a 30 second break, it's, uh, those are important details, you know, important details to have, uh, have nailed down. So anyways, I won't, I, we won't go too much further down that road. Uh, we've got this, uh, this convoy out front and uh, Melissa, you're our uh, shadow minister for transport on the conservative side. Anthony, you had some, you um, Some pretty vocal comments uh, on the weekend. Um, Why don't we start with you, Anthony, Uh, give us your your take broadly speaking on and we'll we'll get to the the policy complaint here we'll get to the issue of mandate specifically but but how would you describe this movement that's uh, uh, that's come to Ottawa and uh, what kind of was was behind some of the things that you've said publicly about about this movement.
1: Yeah, so I want to distinguish between two groups. I I think that there's a lot of Canadians out there that are justifiably frustrated having done everything right over two years and gotten vaccinated and not understanding why schools are closing and not understanding why their businesses are not open when a comparable business is open. Um, For example, I, I gave the example last night in the house. I have a friend who owns a gym. I have another friend who runs an adult basketball league. And it is really hard for me to justify why their businesses are closed, but restaurants are open um, or other similar type of businesses where people can interact in exactly the same way. Um, So I get that people are frustrated. I get that we need a plan for how we are going to reopen society. And I hope the provinces and the federal government work together and we need to communicate that and it has to be based on science. But I don't equate that with what's going on right now in Ottawa, I think there is a right to protest that is a constitutionally protected right that is really, really important. But what's going on now is, is not a protest; it's a blockade. It it it's closing down a city. It's making residents miserable. It's closing businesses. It's it, it's doing things in 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 a way that is just disrespectful, and and it needs to end. So so my comments were that I disassociate the Canadians across the country who are frustrated. From what's going on right now in Ottawa, I don't think it's the same.
0: But and and I'll go to Melissa in a minute. But I mean, some of those Canadians who who you're you're affirming by saying they have a right to be frustrated, they have a point. Uh, they 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 have legitimate legitimate expectations. Many of those Canadians have chosen to come to Ottawa to express their their concerns. and um, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of things going on with this convoy movement. In some places people have taken their trucks. they've in, in Edmonton, there haven't been blockades. People have driven around and honked their horns and then and then gone home. Um, the, there, are, there are some people that are, are protesting uh, that want to work with local authorities to say, hey, we want to have this long-running protest but still have have access so there's there's a lot of sort of gradations within that um you know would, would you would you say that in your category of the good people that includes at least some of the people that have come to ottawa and are here protesting and are trying to do so in a in a respectful manner
1: well i i guess it may have been the case at the beginning but it's certainly not the case as i see it today right now what is happening is you've got trucks blocking wellington street You've got, until yesterday at least, people honking their horns all night to stop families and and, and including families with young kids from sleeping. You had schools that had to close. You had businesses that had to close. You had people that were being threatened over and over again. Journalists, people politics. I mean, it just is not acceptable. And, you know, I can go into desecration of monuments and that may have been a very small number of people doing that, um, you know, holding Nazi swastikas, holding Confederate flags, you know, to me. Those things, you might be able to say that's a subgroup of, of, of the participants. But when you look at now what is happening, right, it is a blockade. It is not a legal protest anymore. Um, and, and so people are still there. What they're doing now with no city permit and closing down the entire city, it, it, is, it is not, you know, appropriate and they need to go home. All right,
0: Melissa. What's your what's your take on kind of the protest going on, and uh, how would you? you know, what, what elements of Anthony's points would you agree with or disagree with?
2: So I can always find points that I agree with, with Anthony. And uh, at the very <laughs> beginning, I was uh, I was fully on board. You know, I do think people have the right to to protest. And I do think this is a manifestation of the frustration that we are seeing around the country. And if that wasn't true, then we wouldn't be having protests in places like Edmonton, in every capital, at every provincial legislature, uh, you know, in the in the streets of uh, uh, of Toronto, which, you know, by the way, lasted, you know, one day, everybody drove around, um, you know, they said their piece. And uh, by Sunday, the city was, was, was clear. Um, I think what I see from this um, beyond, you know, beyond just the, just what's going on in in Ottawa specifically right now, um, with those who are still hanging on, I think lots of people had gone back to work. I think there would be lots of people back on the, on the weekend. So I think we have two very distinct groups here, but I do see that we are absolutely a nation Divided, And I know that, you know, your comments and the comments of many in the House uh, yesterday when uh, when we looked at an emergency debate. I think that was that was what was clear. It wasn't clear to me how we've we've got a plan to answer uh, a lot of this frustration. I don't know what the metrics are for when we're out. We know we are the highest vaccinated populations on on Earth. I don't know if that number is 90%, I don't know if it's 92%, I don't know if it's 95.7%, and I don't know when this all ends. But what I heard last night is that, you know, there was a West against East element, there was a urban uh, against rural, there was a vaccinated against the non-vaccinated, and the inflammatory language that I think is being used uh, is the exact opposite, I think, of of meeting that frustration somewhere and finding, uh, finding a solution for us to get. Out of this, and frankly, for us to live a little bit more like the the countries you know that we see uh, beyond our borders, opening up, dropping mandates, dropping travel restrictions, because uh, at some point there is a diminishing return on, uh, on all of these restrictions. And I think that, you know, given the, you know, the population doesn't feel like governments across the board are listening to them. I think that's why they're here. Uh, and I think that's why they're in every capital, And I think that's why we're seeing more and more of these manifestations, uh, happen, uh, across the country.
0: Yeah, I, I um, I, I want to dig further into this question of mandates and COVID policy, because, you know, clearly, clearly, uh, we wouldn't be having the convoy here if if it wasn't for for that. Um, just on the convoy a bit a bit further though, and, and Melissa, maybe staying staying with you. You had made an interesting point to me about um, um, you know some of the discussion around symbols of of hate that appeared very very small numbers, uh, but at the same time that the kind of lack of. Of similar discussion when we have symbols of hate that show up at other kinds of rallies and other kinds of uh, kinds of events. Um, maybe if you could could share those reflections, and I'd love to hear Anthony's take on that as well.
2: Yeah, certainly, and I and I think we probably find some agreement here too. You know, I I think Nazi symbols are always wrong and I think Confederate flags are always wrong uh, and I think the desecration uh, or disrespect to any of our monuments or any of our heroes is is always wrong and I think that it's okay uh, to call that group out in fact it's 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 necessary but I want to see some consistency from uh, from the greater you know from the greater population because I have, swastikas that show up in my neck of the woods in my riding, almost on a monthly basis, and sometimes on a weekly basis. And there isn't that same level of outrage. We've seen, uh, you know, We've seen protests in the in the streets of of Montreal, where Anthony's from, where you know Hezbollah flags are, are are flying openly, and liberal members of parliament are 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 marching. And there's there's a difference. I never thought that that liberal member of parliament was in any way associated with terrorism. I never called him a terrorist. Uh, and. You know, I think if we don't call these things out uh, on the basis of wherever they happen, whenever they happen, all of the time, I think we're picking and choosing our issues, and that's fine. But let's be honest about it. And I don't think, uh, I don't think the mainstream media. I, I, I frankly, I don't think anybody's been honest uh, about when we call these symbols of hate and having some consistency on on when we do it.
0: Yeah, and just for for context, for those who don't know, both of you uh, are Jewish, and both of you represent ridings with with large Jewish communities. And I know I've, we, we've all chatted in the past about uh, the concerning increase in, in anti-Semitism, um, and I think, frankly, it's been an issue that's been under discussed in our politics uh, more more broadly. The the, the rise of anti-Semitism. Um, Walking around at the convoy, I've, I've chatted with a number of people who are who are here who are Jewish themselves. Uh, everyone I've talked to has deplored the presence of, uh, of anti-Semitic uh, symbols, you know, again, one or two instances. And what I was told specifically, in fact, is that um, when people showed up with symbols like that, they were told by other protesters to leave, that they weren't welcome there. Um, Anthony... What do you think about what Melissa is saying about the consistency and then also what protesters have claimed, which is that those that have showed up with symbols of hate have been have been explicitly told by those around them to go away that they weren't welcome.
1: Well, I mean, Garnet, I, I have to say I, I may not be in regular contact with the protesters uh, in the same way that uh, that others have. But I, I don't. I have I don't not, sorry, I don't yeah. claim
0: to be in regular contact. Yeah. I just you know, I, went I out haven't and chatted with it. people.
1: Garnet, I, I have to say, like, 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 there's there's two different points. I agree entirely with what Melissa said. I disagree entirely that this was marginally part of this protest, that there were a couple, there there were, I saw many flags last week that had swastikas painted on them, Canadian flags. This was not a one-off. And, and, and I did not see other people around those people, much as I didn't stay to, uh, to be part of it, I, I didn't see people around them uh, challenging their presence. So, so let, let, let me call a spade a spade. I think there were, there were a lot of bad people in this protest, a lot of white nationalists amongst the organizers, and, and, and they have a history on social media of anti-Semitism antisemitism and, and other hate. So I, I don't agree with that part about the convoy. I agree entirely with Melissa that hate is hate, Swastikas are swastikas, whether at Queen's Park in an anti-Israel demonstration, or whether uh, on Parliament Hill and equally should be called out by all of us every single time it happens. And that's not only anti-Semitism, because I'm Jewish, it's easy for me to call it anti-Semitism. That's Islamophobia. That's anti-gay hate. That's any kind of hate we should be calling out and being consistent about it. And in the same way you know, that we're talking about inconsistency, you, you also have some of the people that were the m- most law and order about the blockades a couple of years ago of the indigenous people at railways now saying that the people in Ottawa who are blockading are, are totally fine or the people blocking bridges are totally fine. And you have the same reverse, I agree completely, people that were tolerating that then now saying exactly the opposite. And that's where people don't like inconsistency amongst politicians. We all should be consistent. And, and in my view, um, you know, the three of us are people who are generally pretty ideologically consistent. It wasn't right two years ago when things were being blockaded. It's not right now when things are being blockaded. And swastikas are bad everywhere. And I agreed with the tweet from Melissa. We should, I believe, we should make swastikas, Confederate flags, generally, you know, criminal. They should not be used anywhere. And the same is true as well of desecration of statues. You know, these things. There should be criminal penalties for people to do that universally applied, because these are things that our society just shouldn't tolerate. And it's up to us as legislators at that point to make sure we have laws that put that in place.
0: Yeah, Th- this question of, of um, alleged or real inconsistency is a really interesting part of the discussion, because I think, I mean, we see this, this charge level by both sides on a lot of fronts. Essentially what you have is you have members of sort of the, the, the center left political parties that are that are very concerned about an allegedly foreign-funded uh, group of protesters who are uh, treating statues badly and blockading. Right? I mean, uh, and 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 all these issues of you know foreign funding for political activism, knocking down statues, blockading, I mean, these are things that you've heard from people on the conservative side, raising concern about for a long time. And so some of us have said, um, you want to, you want to pass laws about foreign funding, you want to pass laws about desecration of statues. I mean, that's, that's stuff we've been talking about for, for quite some time here. And, and so it's, um, um, I, I think, I think, You know, from my perspective, we certainly do see that inconsistency on the on on the left side of it. I mean, on the conservative side, I don't I don't think we're we're praising violations of the rule of law. I mean, uh, I I don't think I don't think that's happened. I don't think you've seen conservatives uh, cheering on those that are um, that are blockading transport routes. I mean, I think there's a there's sort of a middle way in saying people. You know, you, you can't tell protesters they have to go home. I mean, but you, but you can tell them that they shouldn't be in certain places or blocking certain certain routes. So there's I don't know, maybe there's
1: Melissa, you're you, you Garda, go ahead and when you're, ta- Garda, when you're taking pictures of people with people who are doing it right. Those people who you're taking pictures with, uh, the, 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 they're you know, like they, they're, they're blockading, they're, they're, they're blocking the street, they're blocking traffic from going through and they're honking their horns like, like they're 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 violating multiple municipal bylaws. And, and they have no permit to do what they're doing where they're doing it. And, 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 and again, I think we all are guilty, all parties equally of ideological inconsistency. When it's a cause we support, we're much more apt to forgive than when it's a cause that we don't support. And I, and I, I don't think one party is any better or any worse than another. And, and that's why it's so frustrating. And I honestly have to say, this is what like, I agree with completely again with something else that, that Melissa said, like last night, it was as if liberals are bad, Conservatives are bad, like, like it was constantly throwing out that everybody is the same because they're in one party. You know, like, like like, I can't tell you the number of emails I get like with libtard or whatever, like all of these labels and I'm sure it's the same in reverse, of people that are just, that, that, that don't like everybody that are in one political party because they presume we're all in one pot and all agree on every single issue, which is of course not true. And and, and it, it, it's one of these reasons that I think it's important that we show right here, that we are able on a lot of issues to agree um, and work together. Um, and, and, and people shouldn't just label, whether it's by identity or by political party, it's, it's not a good thing in, in society. It's really bad. Melissa, why don't you chime in on some yeah, of those I'm gonna, points? I'm
2: going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in here. And, and what I've heard here is I think there is there is an agreement that the reason that we we see these uh, bad actors, and for for me, it is a it is a small number. And I'd like to you know I'd like to say that if I was there, I would do this. But you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can puff my shoulders out and 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 find the bravery. Maybe I would be scared. Um, I would certainly want to uh, uh, distance myself from any of those uh, state, uh, you know hateful symbols. But at the same time, if I was frustrated like uh, I have been, like my constituents have been, like most Canadians have come to be uh then i would you know i would want the government to to listen to me but what i've what i've noticed from this conversation and i think there's a point of agreement here is that we don't have powerful deterrence in our system uh to make sure that these don't happen these things don't happen and whether it's you know whether it's blocking critical infrastructure on a pipeline or on a road or on a bridge uh or whether it's uh you know more than just the condemnation of words of yes we know swastikas are bad Uh, I I would be hard pressed to find a single parliamentarian that wouldn't say that, but saying it, frankly, just isn't enough, uh, because it happens again, because there's no recourse and there's no, uh, again, there's no powerful deterrent to make an example out of somebody who has done it. Uh, and that is the that is consistent in our system. We see this over and over again at rallies, whether they are pro-Israel rallies, you know, lower student uh, tuition fees, or, or 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 shovel more snow off my sidewalk rallies. For some reason, you always see these these hateful symbols show up because you know there's a there's a group and a mob mentality of uh, uh, of, of of somebody being against or for a cause, uh, and it attracts um, people who attach themselves to that. And until there is, you know, a real conversation about making these things illegal, about strengthening our, uh, our, our criminal code, um, I think we're going to continue to see this. And I think we're going to continue to sit here and have these conversations that continue, you know, that continuously say, you know, swastikas are bad, Confederate plagues are bad. Uh, and then we wait till it happens again.
0: So, uh, Melissa, just picking up on that Um You know, you're talking about what the government should do, but from from a citizen perspective, right? So let's say that I I go out and I'm organizing the uh, the you know, the the shovel shovel the driveway or the better snow clearing rally, right? And and 50 of us from my neighborhood go to city hall and we have our our snow removal rallies, and then and then some someone shows up with a Confederate flag, right? And um, and he says, oh, I'm with these guys. And we're like, no, you're not. Right. Um, because I think from some from some people's perspective, that's that's what happened this weekend. Yeah. Right. Or, or last weekend, it was it was a bunch of people with a specific point about a specific issue. And then um, and, and a lot of people uh, and, and Anthony, I know you, you don't agree with this characterization, but a lot of people ha- have said it looks just like like a plant basically trying to discredit the protesters the guy with the confederate flag has a full mask on and none of the other protesters are wearing a mask so some of these things and i'm not i'm not suggesting that but i'm i'm just saying that's what that's what some people have have said but regardless so you got the situation but that's where... like
1: spending out conspiracy theories so I'm, I'm sorry like like garnet well, like, like the idea that that people are planting people and you know like like it, it sounds like trump with, with with claiming antifa was responsible for the january 6th i'm, riots. I, I,
0: I, I'm just telling you that's that's that was the perception that I heard from, from, from some folks, right. That, but, but essentially right. it, it reflects a perception. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not suggesting again, some, some grand conspiracy, but I'm, I'm just saying, Hey, um, some, someone showed up who, who, maybe wasn't connected to some other people who were there and this is and and so but let's let's individualize right so you're you're a person who's at that snow removal rally and someone shows up with a confederate flag and you're like i don't know who you are you don't belong here like what do what do you what do you do as a citizen in that situation i mean maybe we'll start with you melissa and then and then go to anthony but what's how do you how do you prevent that from happening especially in this age of kind of more decentralized protest movements because we have we have these sort of these large social media driven less organized protest movements that are happening unlike maybe historically where things had to be more meticulously organized so so what do you do in that situation
2: look i I find solace in the fact that i've seen plenty of um you know video and evidence to say that those at the protest called this guy out um i i I see a little bit of a bright spot that the fact that the guy had to to be fully in a mask because he knew what he was doing was uh uh, was wrong. And if he and if he didn't, uh, you know, he would he would have that mask um, removed. But as, a, as an individual, of course, I would like to say that I would call it out. I don't, you know, I don't know. I wasn't in that uh, population. Uh, I've called it out before at rallies. I would hope that there is a mass of people with me that say this is not okay because it makes me feel much more comfortable and potentially less, you know, nervous about it. It's always hard to be the only one that stands up. I'd like to think um, that I've got the, uh, you know, the confidence and the courage to do that. Uh, I would, uh, but it's easier said than done, I think, for for a lot of people. And that's why we see these things continue to to, to happen again. But in this case, at this, you know, at this protest, which fundamentally, I, I uh, you know, I, I agree with the the original intent and the purpose of uh, of dropping the mandates, which I know that we'll 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 talk about and uh, and all of the public health restrictions that have led to this kind of frustration because the people inside the building aren't listening anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: Anthony, what's your take on this question of, you know, what what do you do as a protester, someone who shows up who doesn't belong there and claims to be with you? What, how do you respond? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think, again, if somebody shows up with a symbol of hate and the vast majority of people there don't agree with it, then you will have a group of people with you when you call this out. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure there are good people like that head to every protest that think that they're in line with the protesters. Um, but then if you suddenly Go to a protest and people start screaming Jews will not replace us Jews will not replace us and it's the majority of people screaming you leave because you realize you're not part of that um, and you don't agree with them but but I but I think in the end results Melissa's right it takes courage and not all of us would have the kahunas to do that I don't know how I would feel if I felt that I was a minority voice in a crowd I, I would definitely be loath to do it but if I was a minority voice in a crowd where I was worried about hate symbols I would then leave that protest and 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 I think we, you know, I, I come back to the what what Melissa said before. I entirely agree. Because I think there we have consensus. Whatever the issues of this convoy are, whether we agree or not agree, and, and I think we should all agree that the organizers and the um and the manifesto, uh, the member understanding they put out that they should remove a duly elected government and be replaced by the unelected Senate and the governor general is ludicrous. Um we need as legislators to put out laws, just to, to establish laws that make it more difficult to blockade our critical infrastructure. that make it more difficult to do this in downtown Ottawa. Maybe parliamentary precinct has to be extended, and you can't have trucks on Wellington. And federal, you know, and the and the federal parliamentary forces are in control in parts of downtown. We we have to look at what's happened and improve things, and 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 and, and we need to have better laws um, and to learn our lessons, and and we should all find common ground on that.
0: Melissa, well, so you were going to respond.
1: Yeah, on that?
2: I, I wanted to jump in because I think that you know started this conversation with saying something that I noticed is that the division is wider than um, than anything else. And I know that it's, you know, it's, it's fun to laugh at a group of people who, who, you know, who write into our email box, call a vote of no confidence or replace the government or call the governor general. Um, And that might be, uh, you know, it might not, it might be that they just, you know, they don't understand the things that we don't understand. They don't know how parliament works, but and and I'm sure they would love to see the three of us try to park an 18 wheeler. But we've we've managed to other Uh, an entire group of people. We're not talking about a small group of people. We're talking about 3 million or more Canadians uh, and those who believe that our restrictions have gone too far. So I know that this is an inconvenience. uh, And I know that it's easy to make rules as you go along when you see things that you don't like in the streets of Ottawa or the streets of Edmonton or in the streets of Toronto or Montreal or Quebec City. Um, But we've got to listen to this frustration uh, that Canadians are feeling. And that's not a that's not a small group of marginalized other un-Canadian people that don't agree with the Prime Minister, that's becoming a bigger and bigger group. Uh, and I think that, you know, it would be tone deaf to not see what is happening outside of the doors of the building and, and be in the building talking about something else without a plan to get out of this.
0: Yeah, it is, um, it, is it is, it is interesting how, how um, I'll go to you in a second, Anthony, but um, I mean, the, the COVID restrictions do have a very differential impact depending on the kind of work you do family situation where you live, but especially the kind of work you do, because some of us uh, can work from anywhere with our laptops. Right. Um, I mean, to some extent, as members of parliament, we could do that. But um, I think all of us in our previous lives, Melissa, you in government relations, myself in public opinion research, um, uh, Anthony, you were, you were elected previously at the municipal level, but if you, if you've got the kind of job where, where, where work involves flipping, op- flipping open your laptop wherever you are and you can do that from your kitchen table or your study at home um you know especially if you have you know a large family where community close to you like clearly it hasn't been it probably hasn't been that bad compared to people who who have lost businesses lost livelihoods or being told they can't work um and especially when some of it is these these uh uh, seemingly arbitrary vaccination rules that impact people who who work alone. Uh, so um, you know, it, if, are we at risk as relatively privileged people working in politics of just not understanding the legitimate frustration that, that impacts people who have different kinds of jobs than we do? Anthony, go ahead.
1: Um, well, I mean, I think one of the reasons that 85 cents on the dollar of support has been given to businesses and individuals across the country has come from the federal government is because we do realize that, right? Um, I, I think that when we're talking about polarization, you know, I, I don't want to overstate it. You, you've got a group of people that are very discontented and unhappy about Trudeau and the liberal government, regardless of any issue. Then you have people who are upset about specific issues. And you would have the same in reverse if you had a conservative government, right? We all hear from our constituents. And depending on who are, is in our constituency, It's a very, very different group of people in a different mix. All of these people exist, but in different proportions. And we've got to try to listen to everybody. And I think again, what has to be left out of this is is really individual opinion and move to the science. We have to follow what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. We've had to be nimble over the last two years because the science keeps changing. And now with Omicron, we see that the science is changing again. Um, and, 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 and we need to, to be nimble. So, so I agree, I've said publicly multiple times that we need to continually reevaluate restrictions, which mostly when it comes to businesses and individuals have been imposed by the provincial governments, not the federal government. And we need to stress that including conservative provincial governments. Um, and, and, and I think that we also have to recognize, and I know that a lot of citizens don't understand this, that when premiers or prime ministers are making these decisions in consultation with others, They're doing so not because they hate people and want to close society, but because they're afraid that the health system, because we lack surge capacity, which is a real problem we need to face in Canada, um, won't be able to handle the number of people that need to be treated in hospital. Um, So nobody likes to close things. Nobody likes to disappoint people. Everybody's tried their best. Um, And now, as opposed to recognizing that everybody's done their best, people are just angry and frustrated. And and I think maybe all governments need to be more nimble about talking about the plan for reopening and that includes the federal government. We need to come forward with a plan as to when restrictions will end at a federal level, at least for those who are vaccinated. You know, do people need to be tested a second time after they have a PCR test to come to Canada? Do they need another test? Should there be a travel advisory in place right now when Omicron is prevalent in our communities um, and, 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 and like, what is, it, what is the travel advisory stopping? So we need to be nimble. The provincial governments need to be nimble. We need to listen. And my fear actually, to be honest, Garnet, for people like me who are saying this, is that the protesters, the blockaders, have a counter effect because nobody wants to look like they're giving in to people blockading downtown Ottawa or blockading bridges. And therefore the willingness to change those restrictions might be delayed because nobody wants to appear that that type of a demonstration is what causes you to change your opinion or your or your policies. I, I think my again advice to the people there, go home. We, every everybody got your point, um and and now we need to work together reasonably, across party lines to come up with reasonable ways and reasonable timelines. And this has to happen at provincial levels too, not just federal, for reopening society. At least until we all agree, if there is a deadly variant that shows up that we're not anticipating that's very contagious and very deadly, well, then we're going to have to change things again because we won't know. But until then, where we are now, everything should be on the table.
0: Yeah, I mean for for what it's worth what I said during the emergency debate last night was uh, I think we should end the federal mandates not because of the protests but because uh, it's the it's the right thing to do. And um, I appreciate your comments Anthony. We're 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 going to have about 15 20 minutes left here so let's bridge into the mandate specific uh, conversation here around around COVID policy and um, uh, it does seem with uh, joel lightbound's comments in the press that there is some diversity of opinion within the within the government caucus and i don't i don't want that to be sort of a gotcha thing i think it's it's great that there's diversity of opinion within government caucus there should be diversity of opinion because there's diversity of opinion in every in every party and i think maybe people being able to see that healthy debate coming co- coming out is 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 not a bad thing melissa you're you're the kind of lead spokesman for our party on transport on the transport issue uh, give us your take on the on the trucker mandate specifically because these these protests aren't just about the trucker mandate but that seems to have been the the spark that has led to this movement so so what's the trucker mandate policy and what's the what's the impact of it
2: so look, I, I think that you're, you're absolutely right. That's, where, that's what initially spurred um, these, these protests. The, the trucker mandate was, uh, uh, was put in place after a couple years of having an exemption. And that means that truckers who were not vaccinated, who drive in their cabs alone, um, who still have to follow public health restrictions, you know, on, on the road when they go to the restaurant, based on sort of the the local, uh, you know, what the local restrictions are, uh, they could cross the border, go back and forth um, uh, without being vaccinated. That, that suddenly changed, uh, I think it's now been four weeks, uh, so Saturday, four weeks ago, uh, and it changed on the U.S. side too, which, uh, you know, which... Some have argued it's redundant on our side if we change it because you still can't do it from the U.S. But, you know, the last time I checked, we 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 look to the U.S. And, and we advocate with the U.S. for the best interest of Canadians. So I would sus- I would suspect that we did that in this case as well. Uh, but that's where that's sort of the impetus of this entire protest. And I think rather than uh, than looking at, uh, you know, at the real facts where just last week I I, I rose in the House, talked about uh, 14 to fifteen thousand loads that were sitting at the border three to four hundred percent uh on uh, the rising cost on each of those loads which you know that translates to more expensive groceries and uh, more expensive building supplies and 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 frankly smaller businesses that don't have the uh the the ability to 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 latch on to a, a trucking company to get, uh, 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 you know, to get their whole outfit uh, delivered to are dropped off those manifests. So affecting different people in different ways, uh, I think there absolutely is a supply chain issue. And we've heard about it time and time again, and the government's agreed on it. And whether, you know, whether we think that that's caused uh, internationally or, or domestically, I think it's things like this uh, that exacerbate the already huge problem that we have on labor shortages in this industry. Uh, And rather than listening to to those things, and rather than, I think, speaking to uh, some of those trucking uh, outfits or or associations or companies, uh, you know, I think the government is now toying with doubling down on an interprovincial mandate, which takes more truckers off uh, off the road. So, you know, if we're talking about this from a policy perspective, uh, aside from the protests and the manifestations happening... Uh, the government needs to do the right thing here and uh, and follow the rest of the world, particularly our G7 allies, and start easing these restrictions because they don't actually pose uh, a, a health concern. There is no data to suggest, uh, you know, that truckers have been an inflection point in uh, in the transmission of COVID-19. So if we're going to talk about listening to the science, then we should actually do so and make decisions that are consistent with uh, uh, you know with public health outcomes and i think that's why people are frustrated because they see things that are that are not open because perhaps the truckers don't have as strong as strong a union as some of our teachers do in some of our largest provinces who do not have a vaccination mandate so when you can't explain that to 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 people there's real questions Uh, and unfortunately the the conversation is so politically charged that we can't answer these real policy questions
0: Okay, Melissa. Thanks for a great, uh, great overview there. And uh, Anthony, what do you think? Are you uh, get, do, do you do you support the government's approach on on the trucker trucker mandate specifically? And how would you respond to some of those arguments?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I like to start with the the larger question of you know we talk a lot about freedom, and a lot of people say the convoy is about freedom, but freedom has to be balanced with the responsibility to society, and responsibility to society means getting vaccinated in this case we see that vaccination protects you from serious illness, it protects you from death, and it protects those around you because even though there's a lot of breakthrough infections with Omicron, you still carry less virus and are less able to infect somebody if you've been vaccinated. Um, and, 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 and therefore, to me, it is perfectly logical for society to tell people who choose to not be vaccinated that there's certain things they can't do. And one of those things, for example, is get on a plane, uh, or get on an interprovincial bus or train. Um, because I, as a vaccinated person, may not feel comfortable or want to risk my health by being around people who aren't vaccinated in an unventilated indoor space, even if I'm wearing a mask. Um, there are other restrictions on unvaccinated people or others that are vaccinated that may not make sense anymore. Um, and everything needs to come under a public health overview and you have to be able to as a government justify why from a health perspective this person needs to be vaccinated. So I'll give an example somebody who works from home right I see less reason why somebody who works from home needs to be vaccinated than somebody who works at close quarters with somebody else in an office. If you work closely with 20 other people in the same room you could potentially infect people. If you're working by yourself I see less rationale for that and while I don't agree with some of what Joel says, some of what I, you know, and some of what he says in terms of an overall plan for reopening, I do. I do believe that it's up to every government to find justification from public health and medical reasons as to why, you know, you need to impose this restriction and you need to constantly reevaluate it. So, you know, I I can see both sides on the truckers issue. Honestly, I could see you know, most of the trucker, and let, let's start by saying again, the major truckers' union doesn't support the protests, doesn't support the blockades. Reminds us that 90% of truckers are vaccinated, and most of the problems we're having in the supply chain are not going to come from trucks from the United States. They're happening at ports, and they're happening with problems getting shipments from the Far East and Europe. That's what's causing consumer goods to go up much more than trucking from the United States. But again, I also understand the argument that Melissa raised that if somebody's in a truck by themselves, um, you know, okay, what is, what, it, what is their actual danger and impact to others? Um, so you could argue like the minister did protecting the supply chain. If they're vaccinated, they're less likely to get sick. So you're protecting the supply chain because they'll be in their truck more often. You know, I really honestly on this one see both sides of it. Um, I'm not going to say that one side is actually stronger than the other here. And I hope the government does reevaluate the question, particularly of interprovincial trucking which has not yet been decided that is out for consultation and I believe Canadians should have a right to cross from one province to the other Um, all Canadians should have a right to cross from one province to the other we're one country Um, whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated um, you know there should not be impediments to inter-provincial travel within Canada
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Anthony I want to I want to probe two specific points you made Uh, one is is on you know, somebody not feeling safe with somebody who's not not been vaccinated. But let, let's talk about the comparison between an unvaccinated person who's tested and a vaccinated person who hasn't been tested recently. So um, given the, the propensity of, of breakthrough infections, uh, I would uh, and if, if I had to be in close quarters with someone I, given the choice, you know obviously it's, it's not a binary choice. You could you could have testing and vaccination, right? But if I, but, but right now there's there aren't generally requirements for, for regular testing for people that are that are vaccinated. So So if, if I had to choose between being in close quarters with somebody who had just taken a negative test and was unvaccinated or someone who, who was vaccinated but hadn't taken a re- recent test, it seems to me based on the data that I should be more comfortable with that person who has had the recent negative test um and yet we're not, we're not requiring that on the on a, on an airplane or giving people the alternative. um why why do you think that is that there isn't, that isn't there isn't this responsiveness to the possibility of testing and and the 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 added level of protection that that could provide as an alternative.
1: well first of all i don't think testing replaces vaccination again uh the people who are not vaccinated are burdens to the healthcare system in a disproportionate way. i mean it, they, they don't replace one another. um in terms of testing, we right now have, for example, for international travel, a requirement, if you're coming to Canada, you have to take a PCR test within 72 hours of the time uh, before the departure time of your plane. Um, if, if there's a proposal to add testing for getting on planes and trains within Canada, and we have enough rapid tests to do that, that makes, you know, that, that, that makes sense in addition if, if you think that it's necessary. But I don't believe that one replaces the other. And I would much rather be in a, a room of people who are all have been vaccinated than than a room of people who have all not been vaccinated, who just tell me that they did a rapid test. I, I, I think, again, we have. Yeah, to but you are, a...
0: like, like, I don't mean to catch up, but, but you are kind of shifting the parameters there, there a little bit. Like, if you if, if you if you know for sure that that all of the people have just taken a, 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 a rapid test and are therefore almost certain to be to be negative. Um, you know, people are less likely to have, have the virus if they've been vaccinated. Uh, they're also significantly less likely to have the virus if they've ha- taken a negative test. So I'm, I'm not suggesting that these tools are in any sense mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive, but but right now, uh, we have we have a policy that says you cannot fly if you're unvaccinated, even if you just had a rapid test. You can't cross the border as, as, as a trucker, even if you just had a, a negative rapid test. Um, and it I have a hard time making sense of, of the scientific logic here. Um, especially when different jurisdictions are doing different things. Like you could talk about, oh, the science says this, the science says that, but different public health authorities in different parts of the world are coming to different conclusions. If you if you live in Europe and you've had COVID in the last six months, then you're you're viewed as having natural immunity and you don't you 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 can get into all the same places vaccinated people can if you're unvaccinated. So
1: um, I'm just trying not to fly, of... but, you can, but you can also but remember, you, you, you can also fly based on you don't need the PCR test if you if you have a positive test, right? It, it replaces your test requirement. It doesn't replace your vaccination requirement. Yeah. You know, li, 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 again, I, I These think things just that, vary dramatically from country to country, yeah, right? But, so, but yep. Almost all countries, even Denmark, right? That's that's loosened its requirements for 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 internal stuff, still require vaccination for for travelers coming into Denmark. Like, 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 like there, 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 is, there is not a universal agreement when it comes to travel to drop the vaccination requirement. Whereas internally, um, some countries are dropping other requirements that are mostly what we would see at the provincial level. And again, Garnet, I'm entirely in favor. Dr. Tam has said, I agree. All issues should be on the table and be revisited based on science. And if science tells me and the Public Health Agency of Canada tells me that something is no longer required because it's not a benefit, then it should be dropped. Yeah, we should I, I guess but on I co- science.
0: But but uh, of course base it on science, right? But I think what people are asking is uh, if the public health agency of Canada says one thing and we have public health authorities uh, in other peer countries that are saying something different, um, it become it becomes a little bit odd to say we should trust the Canadian scientific authorities when when other scientific authorities around the world are coming to different conclusions, right? So like like it becomes a question of are we are we talking about trusting science or are we talking about trusting scientific authorities that may that that may be differing from what emerging science is, is saying. And I'm I'm not I'm not the expert on on what the evidence is, but you can see, but it is a little bit
1: curious, isn't it, when there's such such dramatic national variations. I mean I can only say that I I believe that the consistent message from science has been you should get vaccinated that is something that is incredibly clear yeah nobody's debating that right no but but you're but but in arguing that unvaccinated people should have all the same ability to enter places and do everything that vaccinated people do you're not providing any incentive at that point for people who are somewhat hesitant about getting vaccinated to get vaccinated There, there has to be a positive message from society that we want you to get vaccinated and where it's scientifically justified and at this point my understanding um even even dr fauci where there's no mandate in the united states right to get on a plane um and be vaccinated domestically that if it was up to this you know the, the health authorities the national institute of health they would have such a requirement because it's safer but it doesn't mean that they went along with it and and, and again i think that in Canada, we've tried to err on the side of caution. We have less deaths per capita than in the vast majority of the world with respect to COVID of comparable types of countries, and 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 I think we've tried to err on the safe side. But that doesn't mean, and I and I, and I echo this, that we shouldn't revisit and reevaluate on a constant basis all of the restrictions to make sure they continue to be justified in light of the latest science. And I think we all agree on that.
0: Melissa, we're coming we're coming towards the end here. Uh... Set, set us straight here. What are, what are Anthony and I getting wrong?
2: Well, look, I I think that at the end of the day, we can say as much as we want on we have to reevaluate. But consistently throughout this pandemic, our measures have been stronger. Um, they've eased up for a certain amount of time. Um, uh, and then they've gotten even stronger than, uh, than they once were. So I, I think Canadians are looking for... Uh, a plan, a way forward. When you turn on the TV and you see sports arenas full of unmasked people seemingly enjoying life, I know we want that back. Um, When you, you know, when you're away on vacation with a family, despite the travel warnings, and you would know this from your constituency, um, nobody is, uh, is listening because the rest of the world has moved on. And it seems like we haven't, Uh, when you've got to, when you've got to spend another thousand dollars to test your, your, your family here, potentially wait a week, be quarantined, lose out on a week of, uh, of work. You have to ask yourself why, like, why are they doing? this. This doesn't make sense. It's not science. So, you know, I think if there was a clear roadmap, a clear plan, uh, something, anything to suggest that we are not going to be in this forever uh, because the travel restrictions, all of the restrictions, they don't They don't work now. They're not going to work in the uh, in the future. Uh, I think it would give some solace to uh, uh, to Canadians to see that we have a path forward uh, and a way out of this that is consistent with uh, with our allies, what we see on TV uh, and what we see around the rest of the world. Uh, And I hope that we you know, when we when we sit in Parliament next time and we have any kind of emergency debate, that it is not just digging into the positions that we already have, but it is coming uh, up with a way forward to give everybody outside and everybody in every capital and everybody sitting at home nervous about uh, uh, about telling anyone that they don't want these restrictions anymore. I hope that we give them a plan uh, as, uh, as parliamentarians, as a national parliament, as a national government uh, to know uh, that we're going to get life back uh, and that we're going to get our economy back on track and we're going to return to the way uh, the things were, except for, for better, uh, Anthony, when we win government. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So, Melissa, I think, and I'm I'm going to give Anthony the, the last word. He's been a good sport here with uh, with two conservative MPs. Um, but I, I think I think Melissa, you've put your finger on um, on the reason why we have the convoy here in Canada specifically. It's because we are a country um, with some of the the most restrictions, and yet also with the highest level of vaccination. And, and 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 seemingly no clear plan i you know, i asked the question about how long are these measures gonna ask gonna gonna last and consistently what i hear from government MPs is we don't know it could it could be a very long time you know we, we it's it's uh we, you know we'll, we'll see the fact that in canada more restrictions and the highest level of vaccination it just seems seems so so incongruous with what's happening in the rest of the world but uh, anthony thank you for um, for, for being a, a good sport here for this conversation. And I'll give you the last word you can say, whatever you want to say, uh, <laughs> even if I completely disagree with it. And then I'll do a wrap up at the end.
1: Uh, thanks, started. It was always a pleasure to, to be on your show and, and with Melissa. I, I, you know, in, in the end result, um, I don't think it will be a long time. I think provinces are gradually uh, announcing restrictions being eased. And I think that will be the case at the federal level too um I, and and with respect to you know why it's happening here i mean you have demonstrations in in in, in 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 anger uh in multiple places we're just noticing it in ottawa because we you know it's it's in canada um it it's one of these things where it's really scary a little bit to see you know the the level of you know frustration but I also think it's something that is not unique to Canada. It's something that exists worldwide. You see it in the UK with Boris Johnson and and what happened in terms of the parties at at Downing Street. You see it in the United States where they have the most polarized politics you can ever imagine. Um, And the goal in Canada has always been to try to depolarize. And I hope that the three of us and other people like us are able to bring people together more, even if we disagree on substance on some issues We don't have to disagree on everything. There's a lot that brings us together. And certainly in terms of tone, we can set an example for others. Thank you for listening to resuming debate.
0: Leave a 10 star five, is it five stars? I don't know, leave lots of stars in the review uh, section. Uh, please share this if you're not a regular subscriber make sure you subscribe to this podcast we're trying this year to do weekly podcast updates sometimes we have other MPs sometimes we have experts uh, always about trying to just have a substantial thoughtful respectful conversation about the issues of the day uh, to to show you that we might disagree but we still like each other and we're we're all in it to try to make Canada a better place so uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you again in seven days (音楽) ¶¶